Welcome back to FUNYC. I'm your co-host, Eric Wickstrom. And I'm your co-host, Emily Eden. Today, we're going to be focusing a bit on fashion. I'm so excited. I love fashion. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, you can tell by looking at me, and if you can't see me, <laughs> uh, I am wearing my long sleeve T-shirt and jeans. Where's it from, Old Navy? This is uh, J. Crew, actually. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, this is about as, as as dressed up as I get, unless there's a formal event with an open bar. But uh, but but I do. I can look at fashion and appreciate it for what it is. I don't when understand. When was the last it. time you appreciated a piece of fashion? I, again, if I see a model on a runway or something that's funky, a cool outfit, like a use, hot model. Or an ugly one. It doesn't matter. Like, just a model, <laughs> a, a, a person on a runway modeling an outfit. With clothes on. Yeah. Yes. How could I admire an outfit if they had no clothes on? Anyway, so so anyway, we have a very special guest today in keeping with this theme. Emily, if you'd like to take it from here. Yes, we have the amazingly talented, my friend, Jasmine Chong. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Emily. How are you? We're good. How are you doing? I'm good. Okay, Jasmine. So we really want to know your story. Like, where were you born? Then what happened? And how did you end up in New York? Because you weren't born in New York. No. So I was actually born in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Wow. Mm-hmm. And after high school in Australia, I moved to the U.S. I actually went to Virginia thinking I'd be an econ major, but it didn't work out that way. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was meant to go to UVA. And I went to art school. Which art um, school did you go to? I went to the Art, art Institute of Chicago for a fashion school. And then I moved to New York, worked for different designers like Anna Sui and Tori Birch. Wow. Marquesa. And okay, let's let's backtrack a second. So you came all the way from Australia to Virginia. Yes. And then you went to Chicago. Mm -hmm. So then at what point were you like, I'm going to go to New York? Like, why New York? Yeah, is there not like, is there, again, I, I don't know anything. Is there, is there no fashion? In Virginia? Well, Virginia, I would, I would <laughs> I guess. I mean, if you like polo shirts and khakis, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would guess Virginia doesn't have a happening fashion scene. Yeah. But I'm thinking maybe Chicago would have some kind of yeah. fashion scene. You know, Chicago is a great place to go to school because there was a lot of art and really cool things going on. But I always had my heart set on New York. And it's always near that. Now, again, L.A., I assume, has some kind of fashion scene. Yeah. But is yeah, New York course. really the, the yes, place I'd to be? Yes, I'd say so. So you left Chicago to Kanye with fashion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So New York, even when you're in school in Chicago, the, the plan is always to make it, get to New York mm -hmm. to pursue this. Yes. Okay, so I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. So is it similar to the acting world where New York is quite a prestigious place to be a fashion designer, like the hardest place to be and like, you know? Yes, I mean, I would say that I think you're surrounded by so many people who are incredible fashion designers or creatives in New York. So it becomes that hub that people want to moved to in order to prove themselves. Okay, so when you came to New York, where did you first live? Like, what did you first do? My first apartment in New York was during an internship. Um, I actually lived in Columbia University Housing. I actually don't know if it's legal for me to have, because, you know, it's like technically for the school, but I was renting from these <laughs> students at Columbia. Oh it was on 110th I'm Street, students you know, college. just, yeah. you know, just slightly south of Harlem. And it was great. Yeah. Same street that George Carlin was born, apparently. Yeah, Upper West yeah. Side. Yeah, that yeah, hundred and yeah, hundred twenty-first Street. There we go. Kind of where where Holly lives, close to where Holly lives. Yeah, in the book. yeah. So her first apartment is on on hundred and fifth Street. 
Mm, yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. And then she moves up to 149th and 8th. Right. And that's speaking of Holly Hudson, the, the star and focus of our uh, the scripted side of this podcast based on the novel that Emily wrote. Mm-hmm. That is also available streaming everywhere you stream podcasts at the moment. Yeah. So you're on 105th Street, illegally renting. 121st Street. 121st Street. I'm sorry. Yeah. Illegally renting from, from <laughs> some, we think, really students. We think students. Columbia yeah. students. I mean, yeah. Us, yeah. They're like, know. we're gone for the summer. Do you want our apartment? Yeah, absolutely. It was like yeah. very cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're illegally subletting is your first apartment. And mm-hmm. that lasted. Right of passage. <laughs> right. Just for the summer. And then they came back to school or. Yeah. So they just for come the back. summer. And then um, I made, you know, like actual moves and. Sublet another apartment, I think legally this time. <laughs> and where was that internship or who was that internship um, with? It was with Anna Sui. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what was that like working with Anna Sui? And maybe tell our listeners who aren't, maybe tell Eric who isn't familiar yeah, tell with me. Anna Sui. So <laughs> Anna Sui, she is uh, one of New York's more iconic fashion designers. She's... Um, She's been around for a long time, since the 90s. And she's she's an Asian woman. It was it felt really important for me to um, have that be my first internship experience in the world of fashion. And it was really exciting. I did a little bit of everything. I was on the design team. Um, now you say when she's designing things, what 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 particular is it like all kinds of clothing. She had a favorite or... line of perfume. Did yes. she have a famous line of perfume? Well, her cosmetics and her fragrances are really well known. Okay. Um, but in terms of her clothes, they're always kind of infused with um, her taste in music. So she'll have a really cool punk collection or something that's very like Victoriana and like black lace and really cool bohemian prints. All right. So I would say, you know, like she has a very distinct... Um, aesthetic confession, and that's kind of the mark of a really good designer. Right. They stand the test of time. And while you were working with her, like, were you working with some real proper New York characters? Like, is there anyone that comes to mind? Because you must be surrounded by really eccentric, creative people. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of... I did a lot of cool things. I would... <laughs> deliver things to very important people. Are you allowed to say who those important people are? Um, Lisa Marie Presley is one of them. What? Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. God, God rest um, your soul. I know. Yeah. I dropped things off um, at, you know, Stephen Mysell. And just, yeah, a lot of really cool things. I, I feel like when you work for a designer of Anna's caliber, it just exposes you to this um, really incredible world of fashion. Now, and what year was this? Eric! <laughs> what? I don't even remember. Oh. Uh, I need to... Well, you know, we just don't really like to give away our age. 2010, maybe? Okay. Okay, oh, that was the same year that yeah. Holly slash myself moved to New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've yeah. talked about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're, so... we're, like, of the same era. Yeah, we have so much in common, it's weird, including the love for my dog, Cupid, who gets a special shout-out mm-hmm. right now. Yes. You uh, <laughs> all love Cupid. Yeah. So 2010, this is your first major... Now, are you working closely with her, or is she just kind of... You're working with her people, and yeah, she's... I mean, it was a pretty small team, so yeah. Okay, because a lot of great. times, yeah, a lot of times you hear this, and like you never even like I have friends of mine have come here and interned for like Jimmy Fallon, and mm. they never talked to Jimmy Fallon one right. time the whole summer. So this is like you're actually hands on yeah. working with with her. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she was very present. She's still very present, I think, in her label. So how long did you work there? Um, I think I was there for around eight months or six months. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. So then where did you go? What was next? And then I decided to 
um, go to Parsons because I had I had done all the kind of the um, the more creative end of fashion in Chicago, and I hadn't yet gotten like the uh, like the business, the marketing, the fashion merchandising aspect. So I thought to myself, well, I'm in New York, and Parsons is right there. It's such a great opportunity for me to sign up for, you know. Like post-grad stuff. Yeah, some post-grad stuff and meet people. And I think the goal was always to start my own line. Okay. So it was kind of like a path to that. And when did you intern for Tory Burch? Mm, Tory Burch, Tory Burch, I was a freelance design assistant. So I did... Um, accessories for the runway they call it special projects wow yeah you know it's like very swat (laughs) but basically it's um uh like purses and shoes for the runway and that was really it's a great experience so then after parsons what happens next so now you understand you've got a little bit of pizzazz you know about Mm -hmm. marketing you're kind of more business focused you've still got the goal of going out on your own then what does jasmine chong go and do um it got to a point after parsons where I was still a little bit apprehensive about starting my label. Um, and, you know, like other than Anna Sui and Tori Birch, I was also at Marquesa and there was a couple of other things. I even did something at a Ann Taylor Loft. Oh, wow. Because I wasn't sure if I wanted to do like really mass retail fashion. Um, That's a bit like J. Crew. No, I'm aware. Oh, okay. Just checking. <laughs> Just checking. You're yeah. still with us. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah. aware. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Taylor Loft. It's like in the middle of Times Square. There's like a yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything like Gap? Yeah, yeah. It's like kind of for like women's workwear yeah. Gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> women's workwear Gap. Yeah, J Crew Gap. Kind of name, you know, stores I've been to and know. Yeah, I think that's it. Cool. Yeah, but it was a really good experience too. It's like every time you go through these like little work experience. I, I don't want to say little because it feels very it feels like it shapes you, right? And it kind of tells you a little bit more about what you want to do mm. or what's working or what's not. Um, and I still felt that calling towards like luxury fashion or like designer fashion because of, um, I guess, what I went to school for. You know, I was hand sewing a lot of things. I was draping a lot of things, which are just ways of making clothes that really involve like right. the hands of the designer in it. So yeah. going going back to half a second, so where did this this like where did you first discover this is what your career what your life path was going to be? Did somebody like in your in your youth show you sewing or like that's not something you just pick yeah. up? Yeah, um, you know it's it started pretty young. Like there are notebooks from when I was six years old, five years old, where I just drew things and I would draw little collections and have signs that said "Buy this." It's okay. like my first <laughs> ad. Yeah, <laughs> it's. You know, I'd watch The Sound of Music and be really inspired by making clothes out of the drapes. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. like, from a very early yeah, age, yeah. this yeah. was always the focus. I hope you don't mind me saying, as far as I'm aware, your, like, parents and your brother, they're quite more like my family. They're, like, business as opposed to creative, correct? Yeah. So, my father is, yeah, very, it's a business person and um, grandfather as well. And my brother is in finance, so and then here you are wanting to be creative. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, were they loving that? Like as you went to school, or were they loving the the, the career, the choice, the path you were you on? You know, I think that they were actually very supportive of it. Oh, it was more, nice. I wanted to be this idea of like the perfect daughter 
who majors in economics right. and becomes a financial journalist or something. Um, and my parents were always like, maybe you should go to art school. <laughs> Oh. And they were right. Yeah. Because yeah. I went to UVA and I don't know. I was just like. So they recognized that, yeah. that this is where your real talent yeah, yeah. was, your your joy that it brought you and they wanted you to pursue this. Exactly. Okay. And that was really helpful. Just kind of having my family be like, look, you know, you have our support and this is something that you're good at and you should be doing. And there's a business end to this, you know? Right. So you, you've done your internships. You're in New York City. At some point, you got to take the leap. So what what was that first step in, um, in that process? You know, I think as when you're from a different country and you land in a place like New York, I think there was a sense of, well, I'm here. Let me just try this. Let me just put something out there into the world and see what happens. See if it catches on. See if people care about it. And if not, I can always go back home. Like, right. I can figure something out there. There's a whole life out there for me in Southeast Asia if this doesn't work out. So I I, I feel like being in New York, like, since that first day that I, um, like, actually moved with a U-Haul into the second sublet apartment. The legal one. Yeah, the legal, yeah, the legal one. <laughs> there's just a sense of, like, okay, let's just see how this goes. And there's a series of that. It's, like, six months of that. And then another six months. And now I'm 10 years in, and I feel like it's just been a series of six-month periods of, okay, this works. I'll stay here. Right. And make this work more. Mm -hmm. um, so what was the first... What's the first thing you designed mm -hmm. and put into the world with your name on it? Um, it was my senior collection in Chicago. I designed a whole collection based on being homesick and had these, like, pink things that were, like, guava-colored and dumpling-shaped things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... Someone came by at a at the the sale, the runway sale, and she bought everything. She bought close to the entire collection, like, and I I remember just like coming back home with this check that someone had written me, and just calling my dad, <laughs> yeah. and just crying, like, wow. This fabric that I just stitched together, someone out there wants this. Now, do we know where it is at this point? Um, it's in Chicago, yeah. You still know who has it. Yes, yeah. It's out there. Yeah. So that was in Chicago. Then you mm -hmm. come to New York. You're done with your internships, and now you're in New York City, mm -hmm. and you're deciding, I'm going to I'm gonna be my own brand yeah. in New York. So what's the step? What's the net? What's what's that step look like? What goes into yeah. that? Yeah, was that? So one thing that I don't know whether our view, um, viewers and listeners are aware of mm -hmm. is that you were on a fashion reality show. I was on a fashion reality so show. So was this step <laughs> before or after that? Like what point? The step was before that. Okay, so yeah. tell us that and then we get to the show. Okay. <laughs> the It was when I put out that collection and I had a lot of friends and family around me who were already really excited about pieces I designed back in school. And they were asking me, when can we make this? I mean, when can we buy this? When are you going to produce it? So for my first show, I made some of those pieces. And what are those pieces? It's um, the Archer jacket. Okay. It's um, a velvet jacket that has really deep pockets. All right. That I actually designed in school when I was trying to make a men's suit, like a, a menswear suit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no. <laughs> Is that the one 
that you changed in the tapestry print for Brian Cox or? No, that's a different okay, jacket. Okay, we're not there yet. You're <laughs> we're not there yet. excited about that story. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You're going to want one of these jackets. Uh, okay. Yeah. Florals <laughs> would look really good on you. Yeah. You think? Especially with what you're wearing today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. Again, I'm open to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was, it started off with the validation of friends and family around me. And you know, you know how they say like if you're, friends and family aren't supporting you in terms of like, they're not interested in buying your product. Maybe there's something wrong with your product because they're probably the first line of, you know, support that you should Mm. have. Um, Like, oh, this works. Someone wants to pay full price for it. Cool. That's nice. Now I can try to market it to other people. Maybe there's other people who want this as well. Um, So that was the first collection. And I stayed for another collection and I stayed for more. And then um, I don't actually, I really should remember which celebrity was the first, was the first to wear my pieces. It wasn't Ali Wong and it wasn't Kristen Stewart. I, yeah, but you know, there's like, there was this buzz that was starting to surround the label. And these are Um, all, again, the collection, I assume there's jackets. What else are we talking about? Jackets, dresses, bags, shirts. All women's clothing? Pants. At this point, yeah, okay. all women's clothing. I did have some men shopping mm-hmm. for jackets. Some really cool men who are like, you know, I want a velvet jacket. Right. Um, but at that time, I hadn't officially launched menswear yet. Okay. And now when you say launch, this is still under, this is your thing completely or are you under someone else's? This is my thing completely. So how does that work? Like you just, I'm going to launch a line. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, okay, great. Like like launching a podcast. Mm-hmm. And or it, a whiskey. We're it's, talking Eric's language. Yeah, it's it's a lot. A lot of work goes into that, <laughs> yeah. obviously. So, at that point, you decide I'm going to design these things. I'm going to put them out in the world. So, where hey, this probably comes to the business side of what you were studying at Parsons, right? Like, how do you source that material? How does these things get made? That's the thing mm-hmm. I don't know anything about. I'm a little curious about, like, what's what what happens then? How does that happen? So, I think with my past experience working for different people in the fashion industry, different designers in the industry, I was able to. Um, see for myself like how they were making things work sometimes in really small teams Um, so I got connections in terms of like fabric from this person factory you know pieces made here Mm -hmm. PR here like photographers this is a great person to work with and I think that's one thing that's really magical about New York is like you move and then you wonder like how am I going to make this work and slowly like you just show up right you show up to work you you show up and you you sketch and you make things at home and slowly it's like these people start to pop up like Mm -hmm. people who are excited about what you're doing and you know as a small label you don't have a lot of budget so people were really excited about the work and They'd be like, okay, like I'll do makeup for your show. So you design a, a jacket, a felt, or a, I'm sorry, velvet, velvet jacket. Yeah. Okay. And it's what it's now. You mock it up yourself. You stitch it together, the the prototype yourself. Is that how that works? Yeah. So you work on the prototype, and then you work with someone, um, a pattern maker, a factory to produce it in larger quantities. Right, so you find the factory. Now, do you have to fly to the factory and meet with the people at the oh, factory? No. Or everything's... Just... No, my uh, my um, label's entirely made in New York. So okay. So that just... It made things very easy in many ways. Okay, because so I everything... Could just everything I think street. that's an important thing, not the gloss over. Yes, everything yes. you make is made right here in New York City. Yep. Designed and produced right here in New York City. Designed and produced here in New York City, yes. So every dollar made. spent on this is supporting people in and about New York City. Yes, in the okay. garment district and Okay. Yeah. I didn't again, 
dopey me. I don't know anything. Yeah. I didn't even know that we're producing clothes. I just get clothes. so excited about, you know, the kind of actual products that I... <laughs> I didn't even know we could produce and things in New York so City. that makes me so happy. Yeah. yeah. Well, we did produce a podcast in New York City. I meant like clothing. Yeah. Okay. So that's... Yeah. Okay. That's... Well, it's a shrinking... The garment district is shrinking because a lot of... You know, because of overseas. And... Right, I assume everything yeah. is just getting shipped overseas, made in yeah. China or wherever else. Is it in the garment district? Your fa- or mm-hmm. is the garment district dead these days? Or um, no, it's still alive. Yeah, wow. there are people who sell buttons and velvet. There's, there's. Um... So now this was important to you, I assume, to make it in New York, right? The, everything. Yes. This is this is yeah. a focus. And it was important. Mm-hmm. It was important. Just so to people me. listening, because I think everybody assumes it would be so much more profitable to do it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have to make a profit. We're in business, right? Yeah. So. Like, how much do you think, like, how much are you sacrificing not outsourcing that, you know, that that design to, to a foreign country to have done? Yeah, I think the cost of making things in New York is definitely higher than overseas. But for me as a smaller designer, I think it's about paying back to the garment district what I've learned from it. You know, I've really spent um, my late teens, my early 20s, running around the garment district and seeing the people who make the buttons from scratch, like seeing the people who pleat the velvet for you. And they're in their 60s, they're in their 70s. This is is an art form. And when you feel, when you see that work and, you know, you're making more art out of their hard work, it's kind of like, well... I really want to do my best to stay here. Right. You know, I really want to do my best to continue going back to these places and put out collections and work with the um with the incredible like workforce here. Right. Yeah. So is that um I guess that's is that a reason why you would keep I mean, going forward, do you envision yourself staying completely on your own or would you ever want to go work for a, a bigger company on any lines? Because Bigger companies are going to probably export all that stuff out, right? Like, mm-hmm. they don't do a lot of stuff yeah. locally. At this point, I feel like I have my hands full with my own label, so I'm yeah. going to stick to it for a bit. And for the, you know, for the future, stay in New York. And it's, that's yeah. the focus, though. To yeah, make that's sure the that focus. I'm going to do my best to do it. It's tough, but... It's getting know, harder, it's I admirable. assume. It is. It is. I don't know if it's getting harder. I think it's always been hard. Um... I think it's just, you know, it's kind of like this cost-benefit payoff of what's important to you and what feels right to you. And um, and there's some real plus sides. Like, I can literally walk down the street and be like, okay, I need that in a size 14. I need that in a size 6. And it can be done within two hours. There's no shipping back and forth. It's You go, you show up and you pick it up and it's there, you know. Right. Also... It's, you know, fair trade or whatever the technical term is. Like, you're not exploiting anyone. You don't know mm-hmm. how things are being made yes. in these other countries. Right. That's my, that was you the know. next point of that. Like, so everything's made here and it's it's made under humane conditions. Yeah. And I mean, I feel pretty strongly that at this point in my label, I know the names of every pair of hands that touches. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And that feels nice to me. And, you know, people may say, well, that's not very business minded, but. At this point, I'm just going to keep trying to do what feels right to me. Yeah, although I think, like, the world is changing, and I think the next generation is starting to think and have more desires for those kind of items as Mm -hmm. opposed to the mass produce. There's, like, people now in their 20s, like, questioning the mass kind of retail stores and, you know, all these stories surfacing of, like, Mm -hmm. you know, poor labor conditions in these other countries. Oh, absolutely. So when you do a collection, it's a finite amount, or is it kind of, like, open-ended in terms of... 
you know, is it made to order or is it like you make a certain amount and that's the end of it? Um, it's a bit of both. Okay. So the way I've been able to make it work is, you know, if someone reaches out about something that we don't make anymore, if it makes sense, then I, I will still try to make it. And the great thing about being here is I think there is so much support for independent designers, for independent artists. There are a lot of people and clients um, who feel really strongly about shopping something that's made in New York entirely. Yeah. So that props me up. You know, that keeps me going. When people see the difference between, you know, a bag that's lined in silk and made entirely in New York versus something that is more readily available, um, online or, you know, like something that's a little bit more mass produced, mm -hmm. that keeps me going. Like there are always going to be people, I think, who care deeply enough for um, these details. Right. So with regards to your products, like do you have to, is it the same way with kind of songs, do you have to copyright the design or like what would happen if Anna Sui kind of knocked off your pomelo bag or a really similar <laughs> shape of your bag? Um well, she would never do that, but also um, there is, I don't think there are actually laws okay. protecting the design of fashion because it's like a functional item. Oh, wow. Um, so I think the best thing you could do is like probably go to social media about it. And I think on some level it's, you know, I've seen pieces of mine copied online for like much, much larger brands, like not designer brands. Um and at some point, you just have to shrug. You know, we don't have the same customer. Like, right. we just don't. We're not. We're not competing. And is it in any way, again, this might be a silly question, but in any way, is it flattering to you that yeah, they're knocking there, you off? Yeah, there is a level of um, okay. So you saw me somehow, and you decided that was a good design that you try to push out to your. Right. Millions of customers or whatever it is. Yeah, like if you're down in Canal Street and you yeah. see like knockoff coach bags next to your bags. Like yeah. There's got to be a little <laughs> bit of... Knockoff coach bags. <laughs> I'm just saying, so you, you see... just go to a coach outlet, Eric. <laughs> so, well, whatever. Whatever brands are. What, what other... Uh... Louis Vuitton. Knockoff Louis Don't get me Vuitton wrong. It's like, it's a huge problem in fashion and... Wait, so wait, hold you on. Know. There's no coach knockoffs down on Canal Street? I don't think so. I you guarantee there are. Cheap. No, no, because right, we're taking a field trip. So. All right, is that really? maybe? I don't know. Help me out. I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I've seen the C. Yes, like thank the, you. Right? It's an iconic thing. Don't you know, maybe it was like five years ago. I don't know. I, I haven't looked. Okay. All right, so next to a Louis Vuitton <laughs> purse, and then there's your bag. Like, there's got there's a little bit of like a little bit of a little yeah. bit of like uh, I've arrived. Kind of like that's exciting. They're knocking me off along with Louis Vuitton. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure I would also feel anger, but there is a level of okay, like. It's interesting it's, it's to out know there. that you're not protected because you couldn't do that with, like, people now can't, I mean, hopefully we've trademarked FUMYC. Or, like, for example, my play that I've written, like, I mm. have a physical document, you know, of copyright for that work. Yeah. And so I find it so fascinating that that just doesn't exist for fashion designers. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not an attorney, but I, I think that prints can be protected. Oh, wow. And, like, logos can be protected. Yeah, logos and prints, But general sure. design, I mean, like, you know, this mm -hmm. is a sweater, this is a shirt. Right. Yeah, yeah it's a long sleeve shirt. It's functional. Um, mm -hmm. I think the red, um, the red bottom shoes are protected though oh interesting yeah. no they are i'm fully aware of what those are uh, you should because they're in f-u-m-i-c yes and yeah. i've also been suckered into buying a pair <laughs> never again uh so for you <laughs> yeah i wear them around the house <laughs> nothing wrong if you do Eric. great for your calves <laughs> Yeah, no, not for me. I'm Do not sure. Orange Theory. I don't know where those are. They're somewhere in the world now. Okay. It's not my concern anymore. So, 
So, okay, so that's, so now do you have like a physical space or is this online only or is it like? So we sell online, but I have my atelier in the, on 32nd Street in the government district and people make appointments and they have private shopping appointments, so. And they come in. And yeah. then how many, I'm sorry, how many, I, so it's, it's a constant, right? Like you're mm -hmm. constantly having to design and think, yeah. must be very exhausting at times, like, right? Like, it is. Yeah, so how many collections a year are we aiming for in, in are you aiming for in, mm, like, generally? I'm aiming for two a year. Yeah. Now, is and that just... spring and fall? Is that? Yeah. See, ha -ha. So spring, summer, wow. fall, winter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> New that. And how many pieces in each collection? Um, Around 12 looks. 10 okay. to 12 looks. So a look is like one, one girl and her outfit. Yeah. So, so a look could be like two pieces. It could be three pieces. It could be one piece. So we're talking anywhere between 30 and 40 pieces mm, total? Yeah. It could be... 12 pieces if it's 12 dresses or it could be right uh 48 pieces yeah. all right so upwards of 60 to 80 pieces a year possibly mm -hmm. a lot of pieces it's yeah, a lot it is a lot of pieces um i feel really strongly about sometimes just reworking existing pieces and making them exciting in a different fabric because i think at the end of the day it's like we have a lot of stuff right you know and there is something about, you know, if you have a shirt that you love, your favorite button-down shirt or your favorite dress, maybe you want it in different colors. So there are ways to, um, you know, for fall, have that same dress and add something on and right. make it for... Is there a favorite fabric spring. you get to work with? I work with a lot of velvet. That's velvet? Yeah. Is, the, is your favorite? I love, love silk. Yeah, I have silk and velvet. Those are my favorites. <laughs> so what about those? What about those specifically? Velvet. Do you just love so much? Mm, I think because they have such an opulence and like a, a feel for their own. Um, like they have a life of their own. You okay. can like manipulate fabric, velvet different way, and then it looks like it's a different color. Right. It's really cool. And silk is similar with like how um, shiny it is. Mm. Yeah. And let's go back. Do you want to talk about the reality show or? We can talk about it, yeah. So tell Eric about it. I'd like to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, let's hear about your reality show. And then I want to hear about some of your celebrity clients and stories. So I had never considered myself a reality TV person, never considered being on reality TV or didn't even watch it. Um, and I was approached by the casting team um, and they were excited about casting me. So it was a... I was actually, I was already in LA at the time and I had to come into the studios and I got the call. I was cast for season one of Making the Cut um, with Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn. Where Prime was Video. this? Was it Bravo? Where was uh, this? Prime Video. I'm sorry. Prime Video. Yeah. Okay. I vaguely remember. Mm -hmm. uh. So I think I was 31 or 30, something like that. And I thought, why not? Yeah. When else? You know, when when else are you going to be able to do something like this? So I didn't have many expectations. I was just, like, excited to do it. Um, and, you know, we started filming. And the next day, Heidi said, pack your bags. We're going to Paris. And I was just like, what? Okay. Free trip to Paris. Yeah. Amazing, with Heidi Klum. Yeah. So we were in Paris and we were filming. And I got eliminated first out of 12. So we're in Paris, right? Let me set this up. We're in Paris. Naomi Campbell's watching the show. Nicole Ritchie is in the audience. Tim Gunn, there's this whole team. Like Amazon has 
budget. So it's like a whole production. We're in the Eiffel Tower. And um, uh, I just got called up and it's like, okay, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> you're out. So wait, one. this happened at the Eiffel Tower? Um, the show happened at the Eiffel Tower, the runway show. Oh, wow. I didn't and know that part. Yeah, and then we were called into the studio the next day. You exactly. Got, got so what, what was what was the piece that you designed that they uh, told you to pack your bags and take with you? It was the first look was a very sheer green gown, and I mean, I was just thinking, you know, like it's Paris, sheer silk. I have these beautiful models and. I put out a sheer gown. I mean, we've seen sheer gowns in the red carpet. Like, yeah, I think... Yeah, yeah. They didn't, they didn't go but for But maybe not for a private video. Okay. Maybe not for um, TV. I don't... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I still really love the gown. Like, it's... But we, we all know that the real reason you got cut is because you weren't bringing the drama. Yeah. You were too nice. Maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe, yeah. But then you did tell me that after you got cut, that's when you blew up because people were outraged that you were eliminated first. So after the, um, I had no idea like what to expect. And the thing about uh, being on something like that is you don't see the edit. You don't see what the episode looks like until it airs. And um, I just... All of a sudden, my inbox was just filling up with people who were upset on my behalf. Okay. And people were shopping my pieces online. And people were sending me these, like, long, heartfelt messages and, like, video messages saying, you know, it was so important for us to see someone like you on the show, see an Asian woman, you know, someone who wasn't a size zero on TV. And it felt like oh, wow, like, I, I did get my message out there despite being eliminated first. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that worked out really well for you. It did. Ultimately, you got a free trip to Paris. A free trip a short, to Paris. Short trip to Paris. It was really fun. <laughs> yeah, short, short trip to Paris and uh, helped launch your line, really. Yeah, and when else are you going to get eliminated from an Amazon TV show in life? You know, you might as well do it exactly. once what a great if you story. can. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. And that's, what year was that? That was... Uh, it was released. It was actually released during the pandemic. So okay. the first episode, that's the thing. Oh, my gosh. I completely forgot. The first episode aired March 2020. Oh, and everyone was home. Right. So it really increased. Like, everyone was at home. Nothing to do. Oh, watching yeah. Watching get eliminated. There was a lot of shows that, that first year of the pandemic, I think they got season twos and three order because uh, mm -hmm. otherwise nobody would have paid attention to it yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that's the case here, but, uh, you know, it definitely would have helped mm -hmm. uh, for sure. So mm. that's that's amazing. I added my voice to one of those shows. Also, yeah. I imagine at that time there was a lot, I wonder how much it played into that time. There was a lot of a lot of ugliness going on mm -hmm. with, with Asian folks at that time. Oh, um, yeah. And mm -hmm. So I'm wondering... Mm -hmm. You know, people must have been outraged even more. There's a positive, you know, Asian face on television, mm -hmm. and you guys cut them immediately with all those other all this other BS going on. Mm. Um, and I'm sure that fueled a lot of the a lot of the blowback as well. So yeah, no, that's interesting. I never thought about that. I mean, I'm just thinking, yeah. you know, it just occurred mm -hmm. to me. Um, yeah. Because again, I remember that time, and it was yeah, a lot, really of, lot yeah. of ugliness happening. So people must have been excited to see some positive Asian yeah. stuff, and then boom, it's gone. So, right. but it worked out for you. It worked out for me. I was, you know, I was living in Hell's Kitchen and I had my mask on and I was like, oh, like, obviously we're all wearing masks. 
and people would recognize me. Like these guys would be like, Jasmine, Jasmine from Making the Cut. Like we loved your green dress, girl. And I'm like, oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Like in the dreariness of like COVID and the start of all of that, um, you know, there are these little um, glimmers of just positivity and optimism. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. So then now let's talk about your celebrity clients because I was amazed to hear about Ali Wong. Ali, yeah, Ali, Ali is amazing. Ali Wong's really great. Um, I think she is um, a real, she supports the people around her. And I think that she wanted to support an independent designer um, who was also Asian. And she, I think she also just fell in love with the pieces. Mm -hmm. I went backstage at one of her shows and met up with her. And it was just the most incredible experience. It felt like. I was meeting up with um, someone who, you know, I, I, I'm such a big fan of her, of her and her work. And she told me, like, I'm such a big fan of your work. And there's this really nice sense of, um, like, validation, I think, that. Yeah, for anybody yeah. listening or watching that's not familiar with Ali Wong, A, what are you living under a rock? But B, go check out her stand-up special on Netflix, Baby Cobra. Uh, start there, watch them all. They're all great. But Baby Cobra, for my money, is one of the top five mm -hmm. stand-up specials of the last 20 years. Yeah, I mean, so she, Baby Cobra was something I watched while I was working late nights in fashion school, like before I'd even graduated. Right. So I was already obsessed with this, you know, this, this special and just watching this person. I was just like, wow, she's so cool. And so you can imagine, like, finally kind of... Um, having her be excited about my pieces. Yeah. Yeah, it it still feels surreal. Yeah. And yeah. then you also, so now you do have a menswear line, is that yes. correct? And you Why you look at me like that? Well, just because you need, I need help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Jasmine can help the floral me. jacket. <laughs> is it velvet? Um, no, it's tapestry. It's like a... And it was designed specifically for Brian Cox, or he saw it and then wanted it. Um, yeah, it was designed for Brian Cox. Yeah. Um, his, uh, stylist showed him my pieces and he liked it and he wanted to wear it to something. And he also gave you credit on the red carpet, which he you did. tell me a lot of wow. celebrities do not give credit to the fashion designers on the red carpet. Yeah. Which is shocking to not me. Not really. You know, really? Most celebrities are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but so Brian, so Brian gave you a nice shout out on the red yeah. carpet. And that's very cool. It was what, really what was nice. that? At the Emmys or? Um, no, it was for, um, Kelly and Michael it was, a. It was a TV show. It was a talk show. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he wore it. It was like a casual, um, mm -hmm. kind of like a floral take on a denim jacket. And now what does that do for you as a designer? Like, what what kind of influx do you see to the traffic to your website and orders? Like, with a simple shout-out like that from a celebrity. A simple shout-out like that does a lot for wow. an independent designer, especially it was only my third menswear piece I'd ever put out into the world. So the fact that I had Brian Cox wearing yeah. my third ever designed menswear piece and mentioning me by name and saying, this is my Jasmine Chong jacket was pretty huge. Yeah. Um, and I had men ordering the pieces. And I and then I had um, women ordering the pieces because they thought it was like a cool, yeah. you know, like the I boyfriend fit or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Or ordering them for their, their husbands. Yeah, exactly. Others. Yeah. Something they can share maybe. Right. Something um, they can put them in. Mm -hmm. Emily keeps looking at me. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I understand. Um, so that's Brian. Anybody else that, uh, that um, we should look out for your, your stuff on? 
Kristen. Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart has a few of my pieces. I've heard of her. Yes. <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, Emily Eden. Emily Eden. Wearing a Jasmine Chong mm-hmm. headband right now. Lovely. Yeah. Um, um, Quinta Brunson. Wow. Yeah. A lot of folks. So exciting. And this is this is the last three years, really, right? Like, that's yeah. the last three or four years. Yeah. It's really blown up. Yeah. From, so from illegally subletting apartments <laughs> to, the, yeah. to the red carpet yeah. in a matter of uh, a decade or what, so. What's next for you, do you think? I think it would be to do exactly what I'm doing, but just kind of at a heightened level. So more of it. Do you have any new pieces coming out that you mm-hmm. want our listeners to check out? So I'm working on um, a new collection that should be out probably, I would say, the end of March. And I'm really excited about it because I I actually took a little bit of a break from designing over the last year because I was working on the... Because you were looking after my dog. Yeah. <laughs> cuddling. <laughs> cuddling. Yes, because I was with Cupid. Yeah. I was spending more time at home in uh, in a... In, Indonesia in Malaysia with my family and working on a hospitality project there so it's been yeah you know I think that's that's the reality of living here as you know a creative as a business person like sometimes you're away from family and you have to find some way to make it work absolutely yeah Yeah. so so then the collection's coming out March Mm -hmm. and that'll be on the website does each collection have a name or yes yeah this one doesn't have a name yet. Okay. Cupid. 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 It's the Cupid collection. Cupid collection. It's the Jasmine's so in Love yeah, every, collection. Every, yeah. every piece has yeah. a severe overbite. Just so you know, I am campaigning for you to make yeah. me a little doggy bag to carry Cupid around. Oh, my gosh. I, make me one. Emily, the second I get a dog, it's over. Like, oh, I am yeah. going to have a full, like, dog collection. Yeah, well, that's a good, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot yeah, of. But I need a dog. It is, people. like, sold out in a second. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jasmine, you brought, uh, people listening can't see it, but on on the cameras you can. This is a, this is a piece of, of, mm-hmm. of a recent collection, or? Um, this is one of the OGs, isn't it? Uh, yeah, no, I think it was, like, the last, I think it was a recent collection, like, two years ago. And this yeah. is, again, for people listening, it's the pomelo bag. Pomelo bag. It's I guess it would Do be you know a purse. What a pomelo is. I have no idea. Oh, I had this conversation with my husband. It's a big fruit. Yeah, it's, it's like a big a fruit. Big gra- grapefruit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, kind of shaped like that. All right. So, um, <laughs> for people again listening, color describe. I'm colorblind, so I can't tell you. Well, what we this should is. describe it anyway because we have a lot of yes. um, visually impaired listeners. So why don't you describe? Your bag for our listeners. So it's a puffy bag that's kind of padded and shaped like a fruit. It is deceivingly, it can hold a lot of things. It's very heavy. Yeah. Like you could hold, you could put your swimsuit in there, your book, your sunglasses, your phone, your keys. We've tested this. <laughs> it fits a lot. Yeah. Like a pomelo. I feel like, I feel like we're, we're dealing with at least five pounds right here. Yeah. Five and pounds. I feel like we're only half full. So, um... <laughs> It's now is is this still available if people yes, wanted to pick yeah. this up and it's available in different colors. Gonna, it comes that's my in next question. Pink. It comes in um, this kind of like icicle blue. I love that. It comes color. in red velvet. Yeah. All right, and um, the menswear stuff is that part of the new collection as well? I will be making new menswear stuff. Yes, and modeling it on my boyfriend Dylan probably. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan is um, Cupid's uncle. Well, they're basically Cupid's uncle and aunt. When we go away, they look after Cupid. 
Okay. Yeah. Dylan has a pet care business, so he takes care of... He's the best. But we don't want to advertise that because then we won't be able to book him. (laughs) Right. Let's keep that. We'll cut that out. We'll we'll cut that part out. So, you know, before we wrap up here, I wanted to just double back real quick to the internships Mm -hmm. and to young people listening that want to break in. Like, how vital do you did you find... Like, could you have done everything you've done at this point without those internships and without those experiences learning from other people? Like, do you think you could have just just made a run at it without any of that actually happening? Mm, I think I couldn't have done any of it without learning from other people. Right. And I think there are different ways to do that. There could be an internship. It could be working within the industry in, you know, a different way. But I think just learning from other people and seeing... Um, things through the eyes of someone else's struggles, someone else's wins, and how they overcome challenges. I think that was really important for me. Were there any times that you wanted to give up and throw the towel in? And oh, yeah. if so, what Daily. made you Daily. Daily. <laughs> Daily. Yesterday. How did you keep going during um, those times? I think that just the sense of being like you're here. I- I'm here in the city. I may be cleaning a water cooler on my knees. <laughs> Um, Is that something you've done? A fashion label, yes, unnamed fashion label. (laughs) And feeling pretty, you know, like working out of a closet, just feeling pretty low as a designer. And then I would step outside and just see like just this buzz of the garment district and the people and the fabrics and this whole system that just Mm. works and kind of believing that there's like a greater um, purpose. Yeah, a greater purpose that maybe it's just the water cooler today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. So is it New York forever? Mm. Or do you see yourself ever landing? I think New York elsewhere? will always be a part of me. Um, I love New York and I have no plans to move currently, but I will say that the world is a very exciting place. And I think there's a lot of really cool things happening in Southeast Asia, especially where I'm from. And I've just been away so long. Right. But in terms of the label as it exists, New York is it for now. So before we get to our, our our set list of questions here for all of our guests, tell us again how people can find you on social media and, and, all, and on the internet. Yeah, so on Instagram, we're Jasmine Chong Official. Um, online, we're jasminechong.com. The atelier is on 32nd Street. You can send us an email and come by and see what we do. All right. Jasmine Chung, thank you very much for being yeah, here. Thank you for joining yeah, us. We have a few uh, questions specific to New York City. Starting with, what is your favorite movie set in New York City? 13 Going on 30. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> yeah, I think I was 16 when I saw it, and it was just like the ultimate, like... Oh, had you, you been to New York at yourself. that point yet? Um, yeah. Okay. I had, yeah. So, all right. All right, and what is your favorite TV show set in New York? Law & Order SBU. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's a good one. It is a good one. And it's one. always filming everywhere. Like, you know, yeah. in Hell's Kitchen, you, you always see... some Jasmine Chong pieces on a dead body or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. well, how about a live body? Or a Mariska. Yeah, yeah, or a Mariska, yeah. like in a live body. <laughs> yeah, I have a dark brain. I know, Whoa. I know. That's why you should just listen to sometimes. my show after you MIC because it's wow. quite morbid. Yeah. Dead She's sitting here looking like sunshine and then... <laughs> yeah, no, no, it gets I've dark. I've already had messages this morning being like, you should put a trigger warning on that episode. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. I'm like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Um, so, Jess, what's your favorite musician or band to come out of New York City? 
Um, there's so many, but I, I really like the strokes. Oh, the strokes yeah. are a good one. I've yeah. seen the strokes. I saw them open for really? somebody years ago. You know, I never knew yeah. they came from New York just because didn't they rise up around the same time as the Libertines? So I just I, I didn't know that either. Yeah. Oh, but I had a friend cool. who was in uh I think he's he's a music producer mm-hmm. and he I think it was one of those days when we were all in our like early twenties mm-hmm. and he was recording something and there's an elevator and he showed me the back of it and it said it had like spray painted the strokes and I was like like so, yeah, so they recorded here. Oh, that's really cool. Those, one of those yeah, cool no, little cool. things that I love. Oh, it's always one of my yeah. favorite songs. I just love that song. Yeah. Okay, so next one. What is your favorite song about New York? The only living boy in New York. It's a great one. Mm. Yeah. Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I, I talked about that one originally. Yeah, it's a great song. It's a what really good song. What about that one, do I think it. It brings up this feeling that is so commonly felt like when people leave and you feel for a second or longer, you feel really alone. Like, oh, I'm the only one left here. Right. Man, like during COVID, a lot of my friends left. Like there was a mass exodus of Yeah, it's a melancholy song. It was written by Paul Simon about Art Garfunkel who had been, you know, kind of leaving the band to go pursue his acting career. Mm -hmm. It was coming to an end. So, yeah, it's a a beautiful, beautiful Quintessential New York feeling. It does. A lot of their stuff does. I mean, mm-hmm. they're a really great band, uh, you know, act, and a lot of their music definitely ties to the city in a big mm-hmm. way. It's a great answer. Favorite food item in New York City that you yeah. only can get here when you're here? Chopped cheese with hot sauce on a hero. Chopped cheese. What is that? <laughs> yes, we need more information. <laughs> it's, it's ground meat that's just chopped. Like ground beef, it's just uh, chopped. You're, are you vegetarian or vegan? Yeah, like in between. Okay, yeah. yeah. Sorry yeah. if this grosses you no, out. But no, yeah. I have heard of it. I saw a thing on Instagram. They have vegan ones it. too. Oh, really? Beyond Meat. Can't you get them from like the bodega or something? Yeah, but I think there are some bodegas that have that. So it's chopped uh-huh. meat. It's chopped meat. It's like hamburger meat that's chopped up with like onions uh-huh. and cheese. They have cheese so it's on like a top. chopped cheeseburger. Yeah, on chopped a, cheeseburger. On a hoagie. Yeah. And you need What's to get a hoagie. The... It's a sandwich. Wait, is a hoagie like, yeah, like a hero? A, yeah, a hero. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That is not what a hoagie is in England. Okay. What, so, what is a hoagie in England? You do not want to know. It's the opposite of yummy food. Okay. Well, on a sandwich <laughs> roll. So diverse in here. <laughs> is there a particular place in New York City you go specifically for that, that mm, sandwich? Well, I used to live on 45th and 10th. So there's this bodega there that had a really good chopped cheese with hot sauce. And I haven't had it since I moved to the Upper West Side. But I will find the next good. I don't know whether it exists on the Upper West Side. I am sure yeah. it does somewhere. I'm sure it's somewhere. Do it. yeah. I don't know. I've never, I've never heard of that, but it's definitely it. intriguing. Yeah. All right. Next one. Oh, Emily's God. favorite question. God, I hate this question. Why? I think it's just really dumb, and everyone says the same answer. But they don't. But they do. Apart from me, what is your favorite season in New York? I'm gonna cheat and say fall and spring. <laughs> Both because of the layers. I just love that I get to wear a layer. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like a light you jacket. I say summer because I feel like no. your dresses. Nobody no. likes summer. I love summer. Summer in New York? I yeah. love summer. Like maybe if you're in the middle of the park or something oh or upstate. <laughs> yeah, upstate New York. Yeah. Not, not New York City. Summer subway in New York. in the summer? Oh, like clammy the thighs skills. on the subway? I don't think so. Oh, well, I she won't go on the subway. That's the whole other Jasmine, what is I saw a cockroach on the subway the other day? <laughs> and I gave a woman five dollars. Oh, a cockroach on the subway. You're lucky you didn't see a rat the size of a dog. <laughs> I would have adopted it and brought it home. Oh my god. 
pigeons. <laughs> yeah, I love the pigeons. Jess, what is your favorite New York City-based charity? Um, it's Heart of Dinner. Um, it's run by two of my friends, two women, Moon Lin and Yin. And they actually started at, um, I think, during COVID when a lot of Asian American elderly food insecure people were having issues getting food. And they had people delivering meals to them in Chinatown. And what was the name of that charity again? Heart of Dinner. Heart of Dinner. Yeah, they're really amazing. So people like volunteer and decorate these paper bags mm -hmm. and they get meals delivered and it helps the elderly feel not so alone and you know, have a good home-cooked meal. So what we're going to do is uh, we'll add that to the FUNYC uh, website. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if anybody listening is interested, you can go check that out. Check that out at FUNYCpod.com uh, and there's a whole page for local charities and we'll make sure we add that one to it. And then final question before we... I love we... this question. This is a good one. <laughs> They're all good. What is the closest near-death experience that you've ever had whilst in New York City? It was a block away from my old apartment house kitchen. I was hailing a cab, so I was trying to get a cab, and this white van was parked there and just reversed into me. It backed into me. Same story. I got hit by a car too. Was it a white van? No, but like <laughs> still, it's like everyone gets hit by a car yeah, in New York. Yeah, a rite of passage as well. Yeah. That's and awful. it was really fascinating because I like, I remember just like <laughs> falling. Um, I just saw blue sky. <laughs> I was just looking like that. And then I could hear my, uh, like the, the dry cleaners, like the laundromat I go to. And he, he was like yelling, like, what the F what are you doing? What are you doing? And I thought he was yelling at me, but he was yelling at the driver. Yeah. Makes more yeah. sense, yeah. Yeah, and then there was like, you know, I think things happen to you and then people are like, oh, like, do you need help? Can I take you to the hospital? So I went to the doctor and this is just a really funny little side thing, but the doctor told me, um, oh, interesting. Like, I thought you'd be more bruised up. And I was like, yeah, I was carrying my leather bag like my Mew Mew leather tote. And he's like, I think that may have absorbed some of the impact. <laughs> so wear your leather totes. Because Amazing. you may get hit by a car and maybe it'll lessen the bruising. All right. That's, That's good advice. Platform shoes, platform trainers or sneakers. Because if you get struck by lightning, you're more likely to survive wow. whilst wearing platform sneakers. <sighs> Look at you dropping Eric, these I know you don't tips. believe me, but it's fact. Well, next time it I'm in the middle sense, of a field of right? a rainstorm, I'll make sure I put my platform sneakers on. <laughs> with your Jasmine Chong jacket. <laughs> yes, with my leather, what was it, leather? Ooh, velvet tapestry. The velvet. No, the leather bag that saves oh, the, yeah, life. the Mew Mew. The yeah. Mew Mew and my high, my high, my high sneakers. Wow. And, I'll be all safe I mean, from all the things. That's a good commercial for Mew Mew. Yeah. 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 So. Did the guy stop? Was he apologetic? Yeah, oh, he stopped and that's he nice. said he would, you know, help in any way he could. But, you know, I was fine. It was yeah. just, I was bruised up and that was it. Well, Thanks glad, to me. That we're glad for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jasmine, again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. A true New York me. story. Came here and really made your, made yeah, your whole. Made your mark. And mm. uh, we're, I'm excited to see what happens next. Maybe we can get a live Mariska to put something on. <laughs> Maybe we can get invites to New York Fashion Week next to Mariska. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sit that out. Oh. But you can go. 
I mean, you look at me. You would not sit it out. Look at me. Nobody wants you to see me. You would love it. If you dressed me, I would come. <laughs> In Brian Cox's jacket, the yes. Cox jacket. And whatever yeah. you got, I'll put you. If you dress me, I'll go. <laughs> but I left my own devices. Nobody wants to see that. So, But again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much And everybody, check out uh, this episode along with many others on the website, FUNYCpod.com, along with all of our scripted, adapted uh, episodes that from the, the novel that Emily wrote. F-U-M-Y-C. Yeah. All right. Till next time. Thank you. Till next time. Bye, guys.